Today in the Multiply Podcast, we've got Alex Brunner, the principal of the Brooklyn Brownstone School with us to talk about adaptive leadership. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. Glad to be back. Yeah, man. This is actually the first time since quarantine that you and I are recording in the same space. Yes. We I'm, are, for those who are very concerned, six feet away from each other. Yep. We, um, we're we always speaking into these little screens in front of our mouths, in front of the mic. So these, are, these are called pop filters. Okay. We're speaking in front. We're speaking into pop filters. That's right. Which will be thoroughly cleaned and afterwards. I've, I've Lysoled yours. Staff. I Lysoled yours before you got here. That's just why to, I'm getting lightheaded. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be too safe with you. So yeah, no, it's good to it's good to be recording and really, um, obviously, at least where we live in upstate New York, and and I should say the date of our recording because everything needs to be contextualized. Um, it's May 28th, and we are in Syracuse. We're in phase one, but headed this week into phase two. Uh, which just means gradually we're reopening more and more. Uh, our numbers have been really good in our region with the infection rate. And um, uh, so there's some positive signs, but obviously the challenges are still very real. And uh, But it's good to record. And, and, and I guess the main reason we're recording in person is because we have a guest with us today. And it's really, this is the way we need to record uh, if we have a guest with us. Yeah, we're excited about this. Um, you have once, you once said to me in a tearful moment of being overwhelmed by emotion that our guest today really uh, was a mentor to you and shaped you into the man that you are today. And I, I thought that was beautiful. And so, yeah, what a, what a privilege we have. This That is a surprise to him and me to hear you say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex Brunner is with us today. And Alex is a guy I've known since he was really elementary age. Our families have been very close through the years, connected first through church, and we've remained connected. In fact, Alex's dad and his stepmom and his brother and his brother's family are still part of the church that you and I are part of, so we get to see them. Well, normally we get to see them regularly, not so much, although Alex's brother is the best butcher in town, runs the the, the butcher uh, section over at a Price Chopper and Cicero, and I go over there to get all my meat. So I do see Andrew still because, you know, man's got to eat meat. Yep, um, absolutely. But uh, Alex is uh, now the, serving as the principal of the Brooklyn Brownstone School, located, of course, in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he has previous experience in teacher development and coaching. Um, he's worked with the union down there, member of the Diversity Alliance and the Progressive Education Network of New York. He has two master's degrees in educational leadership. And uh, every time that I've spoken with him recently, I've been so impressed and um just interested in his leadership insights, and now perhaps more than ever. Uh, so, Alex, thank you so much for taking some time out of a busy schedule and being with us today on the Multiply Podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be with you guys. Uh, David, it's just good to chat with you. Um, you know, we don't have sports to talk about. We don't have communities right now, but there's plenty that, that is keeping us busy as leaders for our respective communities. Yeah, absolutely. That's another important thing about Alex is he's one of the biggest Yankee fans that I know, and we've been to some games together down in the Bronx. So, Alex, uh, before we dive into the topic today, just how are you and your wife and the rest of your family, how are you guys holding up in this season? And, and of course, you're located right in the middle um, of it, uh, really kind of the epicenter of the crisis in our country in New York City. Yeah, we're doing well. Um, 
you know, every day, uh, it, it's a challenge, you know, um, your routines become very monotonous. So you try to shake it up as much as possible. Uh, I think that New York seemingly has handled the situation as well as can be expected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as other regions start opening up, uh, you know, we hope that the city will soon be able to, you know, lift some of these restrictions in a safe way. And, and we look forward to that, you know, um, there is there's some hope for right at the end of the tunnel here. And uh, again, back to sports, I, I've seen that there, there's a potential. We might get some baseball, we might get mm-hmm. some football, some things. So that's good. Uh, it's been really important for us to use technology lately, as I'm sure you understand, to uh, play some games with our nephews and niece, uh, you know, talk to our family members and friends as much as possible. Uh, so that's kind of kept us uh, positive, kept us happy and connected as much as as much as we can be during quarantine and isolation. Yeah, it's hard to imagine this season, this experience, even 20 years ago, uh, how different it would have been without the technology that is available to us today. And and uh, obviously that stuff has become sort of a love-hate relationship. We're grateful it's there, and I'm sure at this point we're all a little exhausted by it. Um, things are changing, things have changed, and some of the changes will be with us moving forward, and of course we'll learn as we go. And today we wanted to talk to you, and this is really going to be a two-part episode, and I'm excited to have two episodes to flesh this topic out because it is a big, broad topic when it comes to leadership. And we want to talk to you about adaptive leadership, and specifically the the importance of this particular approach to leadership in a season where uh, the rules are changing and, you know, the bridge is being built as we're crossing it, so to speak. And um, I think, you know, I've, I'm very um, appreciative of the approach of adaptive leadership. Reading Heifetz's book on the topic by the same name uh, was really an eye-opener for me. And then, of course, a lot of other people speak to this. But just as a starting point for our conversation, Alex, how would you, for our listeners, if they've not heard this before, if they're not familiar with this phrase, adaptive leadership, how would you define or describe uh, adaptive leadership? Well, well you read the book, but uh, Heifetz says it's the act of mobilizing a group to handle tough challenges. Um, you know, and I really view it as a framework that can support a community to thrive in a challenging and fast-changing environment or situation. And that's exactly what we're experiencing Right now, uh, our world has been turned upside down. Our ways of doing have completely changed. Many people have, uh, you know, had a very sharp learning curve with utilizing technology effectively in a short amount of time. So, uh, you know, it's important for an adaptive community to really understand their core values, their culture, their best practices, so that that can remain constant as other things change so that your whole culture, that your whole community doesn't change, just those necessary pieces required to adapt. If you were uh, from a 30,000-foot view, what's what's some of the differences or what is unique about adaptive leadership versus some other types of leadership, Alex? Sure. Um, so, you know, adaptive leadership, as uh, we just explained, is uh, focused on big problems, you know, focused on how do you adapt, how do you change to meet whatever the new need is, whereas uh, technical leadership and technical challenges, you know, are a little more clear-cut. Or if you were uh, a situational leader, 
you're looking for a short-term solution to a smaller problem. So uh, adapt, adaptation is required when there's a large underlying issue. You know, if you're in a school, your, your performance score, you know, the student performance has gone down over years and years. So something needs to be changed and shaken up. Whereas technical, it's very fixed. You know the solution, you just have to implement it. And situational is a smaller problem. That's good clarity on the on that, Alex. The, you know, what I remember, it's been a little while since I read Heifetz's book on adaptive leadership, but one of the things I remember is that with technical, when you're fixing technical problems, really the processes and the steps are known. There's expert voices on how to address the problem. And now as a leader, your primary responsibility is to exercise authority and delegation and clarity to execute a plan that already sort of exists. Basically, you're not creating the plan and you're not diagnosing the problem. You're identifying a problem and then implementing uh, a solution. Adaptive leadership, the problems aren't necessarily known or understood, right? Yeah, absolutely. It requires some digging. Um, you know, that the problems are also going to require uh, various stakeholders to be involved. It's not just going to be the authoritative leader, um, you know, executing a plan or, or telling uh, someone this is exactly what you need to do. But um, there's more exploration involved, and it's going to take some time. Uh, you know, it requires a diverse view. Um, so bringing various stakeholders to the table for discussion. Um, really building some trust in distributed leadership as well in order to solve these ambiguous problems. Yeah, I think you said something really important there, the idea of building trust. And then earlier you were saying how staying focused on core values helps uh, helps us navigate um, these times where the problems are relatively unknown and, uh, you know, you can't come up with a solution, of course, until you've diagnosed the problem. Co- can you speak a little bit to those two things, the idea of how do, how do our values um, guide us? How do they serve as a compass in a season like what you're working at? And, and be as concrete as you want to be in your context of education. How do your values as a principal of a school district in a community that's been radically impacted on so many levels by COVID-19, how have your values kept you guys on course? And um, talk, and then talk a little bit about building trust within your team for the purpose of uh, really effectiveness. Right. So um, I'll start with trust building, and more than any other quality, this this is important for adaptive leadership because uh, there requires uh, adaptive leadership requires a lot of transparency and collaboration, and um, you know. Trust is a two-way street, so if you're going to ask your uh, teachers, your employees, you know, your community stakeholders to take these types of calculated risks, they need to know that failure is okay, and it might even be expected, right? When you're changing something and, and it's addressing a large, ambiguous problem, there is going to be some failure. Uh, it might not be a crash and burn, but more of a flop you know, some type of calculated risk. So um, there needs to be trust both ways. Uh, you need to tell your employees, okay, hey, listen, um, we see this problem. Uh, I trust you to implement this solution, you know, and if it does fail, it's okay. Um, 
you know, these are the calculated risks. And it's okay because it's not changing the core of what your organization, your school, your church, whatever it is, it's not changing that core uh, value, those core practices. Um, so these are very interconnected because um, without a concrete understanding of the core values, your your employees, your people won't be able to execute. Maybe I can um, so, jump, jump in real quick, Alex, with a question kind of as, you're, sure, as you were sharing. I, I was thinking about... Well, number one, just hit by the importance of this topic, um, especially in our current culture, um, you know, whether it's in the business world or the church world or um, the education world, like culture is always changing. And um, Dave and I have talked about because we, we, you know, we talk a lot about churches and one of the big issues that churches have is they're always behind culture. You know, they're 20 years behind where they should be. And, and a big part of that, I think, is because there's not a lot of adaptive leadership happening. And you talked about trust um, as being one of the most important things. And then you also mentioned the idea of um, really understanding your values and people sharing those values and understanding. Is there uh, is there some other things as, as you're sharing? I'm thinking, man, this is in order to do adaptive leadership, you have to be a leader that's intuitive. You, What are some of the other kind of characteristics that you say you, you need to have this or you need to at least be working on this? in order to really be an adaptive leader. Right, right. So um, in order to be an adaptive leader, you have to have a high emotional intelligence, really understanding the why. Why are they behaving this way? Why am I behaving this way? Getting to the root of their actions and decision-making, that's that's tremendous uh, to build that emotional intelligence. And for me, that's probably been the most difficult thing in my own leadership development. Hmm. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't come naturally either, but, you know, during this pandemic, it's been really difficult to, to continue to have that level of empathy and, you know, have those connections. And it requires a lot of work. I would say more than any other thing, um, being emotionally intelligent as an adaptive leader is crucial. That's paramount. So what it's looked like for me lately has been tons of phone calls, tons of FaceTiming just to build and maintain the relationships that we have in our organization because we're dispersed and we're isolated. Um, you know, and with that, you also, you build trust, you build transparency. You have to demonstrate some level level of vulnerability. Hmm. An adaptive leader isn't someone who just holds all this authority. It's someone who works as a team, who shows their humanity. Um, and then the last piece, you know, um, with regards to being adaptive, you have to have a growth mindset. And that means that, you know, you're going you're gonna to take on this challenge. You're okay with receiving criticism mm-hmm. and giving criticism. And, you know, you're going to look at the success of others, and you're not going to be jealous. You're going to say, wow, I wonder how they achieved this success. Um, and a lot of this, a lot of what I'm talking about, emotional intelligence, uh, respect, trust, transparency, growth mindset requires a tremendous amount of humility. Hmm. So you're not authoritative. You're not that technical leader who holds all the power. You're going to distribute. You're going to understand that I may not have the answer, but the answer is in the room. Someone else might have it, so I'm going to bring in my stakeholders. If I'm a principal, I'm bringing in parents. I'm bringing in students. I'm bringing in teachers, the union, some people that we you know, might have arguments with, but they could have the solution that you're looking for. So I'm not, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to open myself up and open my organization up 
to a variety of solutions. I love what you're saying, and I think probably some of our listeners are realizing how challenging this style of leadership actually is because it's actually very counterintuitive. In crisis, you want to be more decisive, move faster, um, get things done, react quicker. And, of course, you need to. But what, what you're saying with adaptive leadership, and in, in my experience with, with what you're discussing when it comes to emotional intelligence and understanding people's motivations and building trust and gaining consensus, uh, shared vision, shared values, like that's not fast work. Like you, you can't speed through that. That takes time. Um, that takes investment. And, um, you know, the idea of just taking – not all leaders are – are necessarily wired, and you said it was the hardest thing that you've had to develop in your own leadership. We're not all necessarily wired to be a feeler, um, to read a room, to take the time to understand where people are coming from because we're more fixers, and you know we tend to just see a problem and want to address it as quickly as we can regardless of what's happening in the room. What are some things that you've done as a leader to try to develop this in you? Like, you know, you've, I know you're well-educated, and I know that you read uh, often and broadly. Um, but are there any moments that you can point to, you say, like, this was a really formative moment for me or a discovery for me in becoming more adaptive, more aware of, of my need for emotional uh, intelligence? Um, there, there were some moments, for sure, uh, humbling moments over the years. But really, it's understanding that your lived experiences are not the same as everyone else in your community. Mm. So you have to try and listen and not always respond and answer. Uh, and it's okay to tell people, you know what, I'm going to think on that. And I'll get back to you. Yeah, that's because good. Because I, I think being reactive in a time like this, even in a time of crisis, is very dangerous because your reaction may not be the best solution. Uh, and, and that gets back to situational leadership. Sometimes you just want to prescribe a solution and be done with it. Mm. Whereas, uh, you know, when we first went into this pandemic, I remember I was with my staff, and we split the staff into three groups on Friday the 13th, Friday, March 13th of all days. And at that moment, we were still scheduled to be in school the following Monday. And I looked at my assistant principal and I said, there's absolutely no way we're coming back. So we started planning for remote learning. We started planning not to be in the building. We had no idea that it was going to last for the remainder of the school year at, the, at that time and potentially in the fall, in September. I'm sure, you know, there's folks who have been watching the news and are concerned that their children may not go back to school in September so our quick fix was to print out some packets. Now, those packets were great to distribute to families, you know, the following week when schools were closed, but that wasn't going to get us through till the end of remote learning. We had to really dig deeper and examine our best practices. Okay, what teachers are, are techies? You know, who has some solutions? It's not going to be me. It's not going to be the assistant principal. What do we need to do to change here? Because we know this quick fix isn't going to be enough. And it has changed 10 times over uh, in the past few months, our solutions. You know, um, what remote learning looked like in my school the first week 
was inc- is incredibly different compared to what it looks like now. And it's okay. You know, it's okay if you manage the change. If you start small and strong, what do we do now? Okay, we're going to do this. Now we're going to build. Do we need to pull back? It, it can't be these broad sweeping changes. It has to be small and manageable. It, it has to be big picture oriented. Otherwise, you're going to overwhelm everyone. They're going to be pushed beyond the zone of, of development and uh, they'll crash and burn. It won't be a flop. It'll be a crash and burn. Yeah, it sounds like, um, if I can summarize what I'm hearing you say, is you know the danger in this season is to fall in love with our solutions, right? Um, it, as opposed to just recognizing that a solution's value is a solution only has as much value as its ability to address the problem, right? And so, um, I, I've heard I've heard leadership people say, you know, great leaders, adaptive leaders, they are in love with the problem; they're not in love with their solutions. Of course, that's hard because we created our solutions and we tend to defend the things that we feel like are attached to us. It's an extension of our identity, but. In this season, we have to keep not just um, coming up with solutions, but continuing to ask the hard questions about the solutions. And, and of course, this is relevant in school, business, and very much in church world, you know, because the church, we have some solutions to um, address the problems that we perceive in our community and the problems that we exist to, to, to address. But sometimes our solutions are outdated. They're not effective anymore. And when churches stop questioning and challenging the solutions that were invented or, or manufactured 20 years ago, they become ineffective. You see that in schools and education as well? Absolutely. Um, I, I've told my teachers many times that if you're teaching the same lessons you taught even last year, you're outdated because you had a, a different group of kids, right? Mm-hmm. and you're not addressing their specific needs. So as an organization changes, their consumers change, as their congregation changes, whatever that is, you have to change in response, right? Uh, for your type of leadership in mind, we're also serving leaders, so we're meeting the needs of our community. And as your community changes, and that may happen on a year-to-year basis, your solutions have to change as well. So as you said, you can't fall in love with the solution because it might be gone, before you know it, and you have to change yet again. Now, it doesn't mean that you're throwing away all of your best practices and your core beliefs, but uh, some of your some of your ways of doing might need to shift a little bit to meet these new needs. Um, you know, just thinking about one of my classes last year, they were a general education class. Now they have some new students in it, and they've become a collaborative teaching class. So they have students with individualized education plans. They have students with special needs. You in no way can use the same teaching strategies that you used last year to meet the needs of these children. Now, it doesn't mean that that teacher has completely changed who they are and what their core beliefs and values are, but their implementation strategies have changed a little bit. They may be supplementing what they normally do. So again, it's it's not it's not being comfortable. It's not saying, okay, I've got all of my lesson plans, or I have you know uh, everything put together that I've implemented over the past few years. It's saying I'm going to change, I'm going to adapt, I'm going to tweak a little bit so that I can meet your needs, so that I can meet whatever the current uh, issue is at hand, and that goes back to having a growth mindset. It's 
you know, encouraging criticism, having folks take a look, you know, having folks speak up. It could be a parent, could be a student, could be a colleague or a supervisor. Hey, take a look at my work. You know, what do you think? What do I need to improve on? Hmm. It's, uh, you know, being humble, taking the ego out of the equation, you know, falling in love with a solution. That's ego because that's something that you've done. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't want to fall in love with a problem, but I, I absolutely, I've heard it before and I absolutely understand it. It's falling in love with finding a way to eliminate this issue. It, mm-hmm. It's the process, very process oriented. How are we going to dissect and, and identify the root cause so that we can develop a variety of strategies? And one of those strategies, you know, at least we hope might solve that root cause issue. That's good. I love that. Yeah, I love that idea, Alex, of uh, encouraging and creating culture where people are um, wanting to grow. Therefore, they're expecting change. They're uh, they they know that the, it's a culture of adaptation, adaptation, and being flexible and trying new things. And I think that's great. Um, we are going to come back for part two and, and do a little deeper dive into this, and we're going to hear a little bit more about culture creating and some other aspects of adaptive leadership. But before we do. Um, I know you know this because you're a friend of David's. David's a bit of a foodie. He's he developed a little bit of a reputation. Um, and so one of our listeners' favorite parts of this podcast, probably the only part they listen to actually, <laughs> is a, a portion called David's Eats, where normally we'd like to hear from David some of the best things he's eaten. However, since we have a special guest on, we want to hear from you, Alex. In the midst of lockdown, coronavirus, um, what is in the last few weeks the best thing you've eaten? Well, the, the menu has shrunk dramatically, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, there's this little taco cart that uh, it's called King David's Tacos, and they're all over the place. They're actually uh, they started on the West Coast, I believe, but they're all over uh, the five boroughs. And in Brooklyn, that little cart at the top of Prospect Park, and uh, you're not supposed to, but I do. I drive right up to it, <laughs> and uh, they know me so well that I just have to put a 20 through the window, and they have a bag of tacos with the change already in it, ready for me. So, uh, you know, usually that'll consist of three breakfast tacos, um, you know, because it's the way I like to start my day. <laughs> and they are delicious. They are good good on the go. Um, they are quarantine safe. So those have been really fantastic. Oh, man. Now, what are we talking on these tacos? What kind of, what kind of meat do we have? Well, they do everything. I mean, uh, they, they switch it up so they have seasonal tacos. Every once in a while, they have a nice brisket taco, you know, with some eggs and cheese oh, yeah. and peppers. Onions. Uh, you know, even their veggie ones, they, they have this mamamitas taco, and it's like uh, an onion and peppers egg scramble. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of my go-tos. But um, any, any of the specials are really good for me, and I like it spicy. So they have a nice uh, verde sauce, and uh, I really pick it up a bit. Oh man, we we don't have anything Sounds like good. that up uh, well, here in Syracuse. We have this little. It's not a food truck. It's a little restaurant called Chipotle. It's pretty authentic. <laughs> yeah, you probably haven't heard of it. You probably haven't heard of Chipotle. It's a local joint. It's here. got a. It's oh got a no, lo- listen. <laughs> they they they've had free teacher days during the pandemic. Oh so, nice. Uh, we've been relying on relying on. That's why Chipotle. David all of a sudden called himself a teacher and went in there. That's weird. <laughs> 
teacher of many. <laughs> teacher of many, yeah. Well, hey, Alex, thanks right, for I'm being with us. You. We're going to have you back on to continue the conversation about adaptive leadership. Thanks so much, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode.